listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. We're going to talk a little about charity this past weekend, Bachelorette stuff. We're going to talk about tonight's Bachelorette episode. We're going to talk a little ratings, not necessarily Bachelorette ratings, but just ratings in general. Vanderpump Rules has begun filming. Raquel, obviously not there, but there was a story about Raquel this weekend. And I think, honestly, the biggest story over the weekend, Twitter becoming an absolute abomination because it doesn't make any sense anymore. And I'll give you my thoughts on that momentarily. So tonight is episode two of The Bachelorette. They have two group dates, a dodgeball group date with 12 guys, a six-person longest kiss date that's won by Joey. They set the record. I'm assuming that's beating Evan and Carly's kiss from Bachelor in Paradise a few seasons ago. But Charity and Joey end up winning that. I don't know who wins the dodgeball date, but it looks like whoever the winning team is gets extra time at night with her. So whatever team Braden and Adrian are on are the ones that win because we've seen the previews for tonight of them at an after party of the group date. So their team wins. I don't know who else was on the their team of the six guys. But, um, you know, I, I think this is interesting because one of the things that they were promoting heading into the weekend was this after party group date where Adrian and Braden we're just talking there, and then Adrian goes and sits down with Charity and tells Charity that Braden has spring break energy, almost like he's, I don't know, I guess there to have a fun time or whatever. And again, they're clearly in the editing making Braden out to be the quote-unquote villain. But this is, <laughs> I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but it's clear that Braden is so low on the villain totem pole in the history of this show. What has he done? He was a giddy, giddy high school boy in episode one because he got to kiss the popular girl. And I even saw that clip of him talking to Adrian. He's like, well, man, what does that mean? Like if I go from first impression rose to, uh, you know, not getting a group date rose. Like, that's, that's your villain? All he's doing is asking that? And maybe he doesn't understand the show. We have no idea if Braden was familiar with the show or not. And even if he was, who cares if he asks something like that? I think he just wants to do well and wants to constantly be a guy that is considered one of Charity's frontrunners. So for him to just sit there and say that to Adrian and then Adrian going to talk to charity about it, we know what usually happens on this show during group dates. If you spend your alone time talking to the lead about someone else in the group, you eventually are getting sent home. Now, we know Adrian doesn't go home in tonight's episode. He only lasts till next episode. And we do know that eventually guys have an issue with Brayden. But it just seems like they have an issue with him because he got the first impression rose and because maybe he talked about it too much like that but in this particular setting and we've seen overconfidence bordering on arrogance bordering on cockiness that's considered a villain in this show and frankly he's 
He's about as tame as they come. But I also think that with with Charity and looking at Braden and Adrian, I just said, we know if you spend any amount of your group date after party alone time talking about someone else to the lead, that usually means you're going home first. There is one exception to that, and that's if the person you're talking about is someone the lead pretty much already has penciled into their final four. Then they don't listen to you because they don't care to listen to you because it's one of their favorites. So right now, Braden is high on Charity's list. I'm sure in four episodes from now, the audience is going to go, Charity, why did you keep this guy around? But I don't think the red flags are like serious red flags, at least not that we've seen so far. As I said in last week's recap, maybe he does something that completely changes it up. And maybe he does something that completely makes him seem like, okay, he's just here for a fun time and he's just here. He doesn't care about charity. Like, I'm sure he utters something this season that sets the guys off because it can't be what he's done so far, which is basically nothing. But I guess we'll find out more tonight. So speaking of charity, this happened over the weekend where she attended an Essence Festival of Culture in New Orleans. And as we all know, episode five this season was in New Orleans. And a few of you sent this to me on email because I was unaware that she said this in an interview this past weekend. But she did an interview, a sit-down interview in front of a group of people at the Essence Festival of Culture, and they asked her, the host during a portion of this interview says, Hey, you know, you came to new Orleans during your season. What can we expect? And she's, you know, talking about, Oh, I love new Orleans. It was a great time. And during that interview, she said, I had two incredible one-on-one dates and a group date. And so immediately that got sent to me, uh, by a few people that said your episode by episode spoiler said she had three one-on-one dates and a group date in New Orleans. She just said in New Orleans over the weekend that she had two incredible one-on-one dates. I don't know why she said that. (laughs) That's the best answer I can give you. Um, It's very possible that she had three one-on-one dates and two of them were incredible and one of them wasn't. So that's why she said, I have two incredible one-on-one dates. Here's what I'll tell you. One of us is wrong. Either Charity is wrong for how she said that, and maybe she just kind of said it without thinking, oh, yeah, I had three, or whatever the case may be, because I know you're like, Steve, that doesn't make any sense. Why would she say I had two incredible one-to-one dates if she had three? All I'm telling you is the info that I have says that she has three one-on-one dates in New Orleans and a three-on-one group date. Obviously, I can't give you my info. I can't show you my info. I can't talk about where I got it from. But does it, am I scratching my head over what Charity said? Yes. And maybe when New Orleans comes around, she did have two. But that's not the information I've been led to believe. And I have no problem admitting if something that I posted was wrong. If she had two in New Orleans, she had two in New Orleans. I'll I'll come out and say, oh, yeah, I I had that wrong. She didn't have three. She had two. But all the information that I have says she had three. And I can't share it with you. And if I did, you'd probably go, wow, why did Charity say she had two one-on-one dates in New Orleans then? 
but I can't share it with you. Sorry. It doesn't work that way. I've never shared my sources. I never will. So that's all I can say. Um, I know uh, there is a faction of people out there that spent a holiday weekend talking about me and talking about this, but that's what they do. I spoil the show. They talk about me. Simple to the point. That's what happens. But I cannot explain to you why she said what she did. I mean, if you want to give if you want me to give you a reasonable explanation for it, I like I said, maybe she had three (laughs) and only two of them were incredible. I mean, there is a way to if you're going to dissect every single thing that every single contestant does on this show, you could technically take it that way. You could also take it as maybe she didn't want to give away. She had three dates in New Orleans. You could also take it as maybe she just maybe it just slipped her mind. Maybe she even she meant to say a few, but she said two. I mean, there's there's so many different ways. And it's not like I'm just saying that because my information is different than hers. As of right now, everything that I was told, and it's why I put it in the spoilers last week, was that she had three one on one dates and a three on one group date in New Orleans. And that third one on one date was in the bayou, like some sort of like swamp bayou date. So I, there's, that's all I can say. I mean, that's, that's where I can leave it. And if I don't get, um, you know, that, that's, that's my info. If I don't get any more info, I'm clearly going to stick by the info that I got. And maybe we won't know until episode five rolls around. Maybe we'll know in a month, either charity was right when she said that, or I've been right this whole time. Right now, I'm sticking by my info and and just saying, I don't know why Charity said that. So we'll see. We'll see. So I wanted to talk a little ratings here. And with The Bachelorette being pushed back an hour this season and airing at, um, at 9 o'clock Eastern Mountain and Pacific and 8 in the central region, in the central time zone, it clearly is going to affect its ratings. It did in week one, and I expect it to affect it every week claim to fame which airs before it last season last summer aired after it and the bachelorette beat claim to fame every week now claim to fame goes before it and claim to fame beats it in the ratings and the uh, uh, overall viewership and in the women 18 to 49 demo however claim to fame and the bachelorette were still the winners in the women 18 to 49 demo for monday night Claim to Fame just drew 5.6, a 5.6 rating, and Bachelorette drew a 5.0, and those were the two highest of the night. So when I was looking at it, I was like, okay, I don't know why they moved it back an hour. Claim to Fame isn't like this. I mean, I know some people like it, but if Claim to Fame was airing at the same time slot it was last year and Bachelorette was airing in its normal slot, 8, 7 central, I guarantee the numbers would have been flipped. Bachelorette would have drawn more in the overall viewership and the women 18 to 49 demo because it did all last summer. It wouldn't just switch. And, I, you know, I, I know maybe people don't understand ratings as much as others, but if your show doesn't end till 11 o'clock on the east, on the, on, in the East Coast, Mountain Time, and Pacific Time, you're just going to have lower ratings. I'm sorry. You'd be like, well, don't young people stay up late? Yeah, but not necessarily to watch The Bachelorette. (laughs) It's just... So, the funny thing is when I was looking at the ratings chart uh, for last Monday, and it's going to be the same way when I look at the ratings chart tomorrow uh, for what happens Mm -hmm. 
on tonight's episodes, there's a running joke in the TV industry that old people love CBS because CBS's programming is literally for all old people. And if you look at last Monday, man, there couldn't be anything more true. Because while Claim to Fame and The Bachelorette were the highest rated in the demo of women 18 to 49, they were not the highest rated demo of the night. That belonged to CBS because CBS has four consecutive 30-minute comedies starting at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on Monday nights. And they were all repeats last week. The Neighborhood, Bob Hart's Abishola, NCIS ENC, and NCIS Hawaii. Do you know what the ratings for those four shows were? In the demographic of adults 50 plus, 6.6, 5 5.5, 7.0, 7.0. There wasn't any show on Monday night that even drew the worst of those four shows, a 5.5. The closest, obviously, claim to fame drew 5.6. But if we're taking any demographic share, which is women 18 to 49, men 18 to 49, or adults 50 plus, the four highest rated shows of the night were NCIS, NCIS Hawaii, the neighborhood, and then Claim to Fame, and then Bob Hart's Ayashola, and then The Bachelorette in their particular demographics. But, I mean, look at that. CBS just, I mean, there's no other way to get around it. There's a reason it has a quote-unquote stereotype around it that old people watch it. It's because the numbers bear it out. A 7 rating in adults 50-plus for NCIS? 6.6 in adults 50-plus for The Neighborhood? A 5.5 in the adults 50-plus for Bob Hart's Abishola? I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, the only other, the only other close ones were... Um, let's see, American Ninja Warrior. The, uh, the old people love that one. They drew a 5.7, so actually they're the they're the fourth highest rated demographic of the night. And then The Wall and Weakest Link drew 4.5 and 4.2 in adults 50 plus. Well, adults love game shows. So there's that too. So it's just it's the numbers bear it out. It's not a sort of um I mean, you just you just look at CBS's programming. It's just it's geared toward older people and adults. And that's why they draw the numbers that they do. But, you know, just looking at those numbers last week, claim to fame only outdrew the bachelorette because it aired before it last summer. It aired after it all summer and the bachelorette beat it every week. Now claim to fame is going to beat the bachelorette every week outside of maybe finale week, maybe, but we'll see. So Vanderpump rules started filming at the end of last week There were pictures that got out of Ariana filming with Katie and Lala and I believe Kristen. Well, there was also a story that broke late on Friday saying Raquel Levis has begun negotiations for her return home after staying in a mental facility. It says Raquel is going to be checking out of the mental health facility within the next 10 to 15 days or she could choose to stay longer. And then it just goes into... 
Pump Rules producers have remained committed to supporting Raquel's treatment. And then when it comes to her future on Bravo, nothing's been decided yet. Still up in the air. Both sides hoping they can work something out. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just an interesting story that um, Raquel, I, I don't understand. Maybe I don't understand how rehab works, but she's begun negotiations for her return home. Can't you just leave whenever you want? I mean, they don't obviously want you to do it that way. They want you to do, I don't know, a 30-day th- inpatient treatment, a 60-day. But she's been there over 60 days. What What is she negotiating a release for? I guess I don't really understand uh, it. But, again, I'll, I'll just keep saying it. She's going to be on Vanderpump Rules again at some point. There's no way she's never not going back. It's just never going to happen. Now, it still seems like Sandoval is, I believe, still filming, or did he just get back uh, from filming Special Forces 2? They're filming it in New Zealand. And I saw a TikTok of him at the airport. Some TMZ got Sandoval at the airport, but I don't know if that was recent. I don't know if that was him going uh, to New Zealand, if it was him coming back from New Zealand. It still looked like he had long hair, so I don't think it was him on the way back from New Zealand, but he's certainly going to to be on Special Forces 2, apparently also with Prick Vial. They're both there, but I don't know when they left and I don't know when they're coming back. I just know for Hannah Brown's season, season one of Special Forces, they filmed for 10 days, and that's all it is. I mean, you say all it is, but have, did you watch that show? I mean, that's a nightmare. Two days there is a nightmare. So we're going to find out more as we get closer and who knows if once Prick comes back, he's going to talk about it. Obviously, he's not going to give anything away, but he's going to hint at where he was and what he did. That's not a surprise. So as we go on, as we start hearing more and more, I, I'm I'm sure we'll get some sort of update as to when that's going to air. Didn't Special Forces 1 air right after the new year? So that's my guess. If they filmed... I don't see them airing it at the end of this year. I don't see that being a November or December show. I feel like they're going to air it right around the same time. It'll be right after uh, the new year starts, and it'll air in January of 2024, just going off what they did for season one. And finally, what is Elon Musk doing? What in the world was going on with Twitter this weekend? It doesn't make any sense to me. I understand what he said, but what he said... His the actions of Twitter are not backing up Elon Musk's words. So in case you didn't know, Elon Musk just decided on Saturday, I'm going to put a limit to how many tweets you can read in a fucking day. If you if you are not verified, the most you can read is 600. And then he and if if, if you're verified, you can read 6000. If you're un if you're verified, if you're not verified, but you do have an account, you can read 600. And if you don't have an account and you just read Twitter to read people's tweets, it maxed you at 300. Then during the day, he said it's going to be 8,800 and 400. And then he went up to 10,000, 1,000, and um, 500 or something like that. But I don't know what this means because I'm sure a lot of you looked at your Twitter account on your Twitter app this weekend and saw rate limit exceeded. And the definition of that, when I looked it up, seemed to say 
users will no longer be able to scroll on Twitter once their daily view count has been reached. Okay, that makes sense. However, I woke up yesterday morning, looked at Twitter, and within one hour, it was saying rate limit exceeded for me. And I can tell you right now, even though I'm not verified, I did not read 1,000 tweets, even if my number was still at 600. It apparently was up to 1,000 or it's going up to 1,000. So let's just call it the lowest that it was for someone not verified but does have an account. 600 tweets. I'm telling you right now, I did not read 600 tweets in one hour yesterday. But then all day long throughout the day yesterday when I refreshed Twitter, I would get new tweets on my feed. But then at the top, it would still say rate limit exceeded. That's what I say when I say I have no idea what any of this means. Now, every time it does say rate limit exceeded at the top of my Twitter feed, the worst part is if I want to go and read someone else's tweet, let's just say I wanted to go and read any tweet that ESPN.com put out and you just type in ESPN.com, I go to them. I can't see one of their tweets that they've ever posted. It just says rate limit exceeded. And it says that for everybody. But when it doesn't say rate limit exceeded at the top and I refresh it and the top tweet on my feed I can read and there's nothing above it that says rate limit exceeded, then I can go into anybody's account and read any of their tweets. But if rate limit exceeded is supposed to mean that, oh, you read your 600 tweets today, you cannot read another tweet the rest of the day, that's not what the actions of the site are doing because it was saying that and then I'd hit refresh and it would give me more tweets. <laughs> He is running Twitter into the ground. It makes no sense whatsoever. Why is he controlling what you do with your time? That makes absolutely zero sense. It makes absolutely zero business sense. Because if Twitter wants to make money through advertising, which I've heard they are hurting badly because people are flocking away from Twitter, that means even less time will be spent on it if people have been maxed out on their tweets. So sponsors are going to be getting less views on their sponsored tweets and ads on Twitter. What an absolute clusterfuck. And it couldn't have happened to a bigger jerk-off. $44 billion he spent on this, and he's run it into the ground in less than a year. It makes no sense. I, it just, it really makes no sense. He's literally telling you how much he wants you to look at his social media account. Not his account, but his app, the thing that he runs. He's giving you a limit. If you have any sort of business, don't you want people to consume as much of your business as possible? Wouldn't that make, wouldn't that make more business sense? Come on my app and spend all the time in the world on it. Now, he is saying his his reasoning for this, the reason that he gave was data scraping is going on. Okay, I'm sorry. That's too generic. Tell the viewers and the readers exactly what that means. What is happening? Because this doesn't make any sense. Data scraping? Explain what that means. But then he's literally taunting people in his tweets by saying, yeah, everyone's getting rate limit exceeded because they're looking, they're keeping their... They're continuing to refresh their rate limit exceeded page. Hilarious, dude. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure your I'm sure your users on your app are thrilled that you're now trolling them with your tweets. And then he was also saying, like, yeah, 
He goes, I want people to spend more time outside. And let other people determine that. Let the people who actually have Twitter make that decision of how much time they spend on it. Can you imagine if Instagram did this? The world might implode. So it's the whole thing is so baffling to me. Everyone that I know that uses Twitter quite frequently is up in arms over this just being implemented over the weekend for really with no warning whatsoever and no reasoning, solid reasoning whatsoever, not any sort of good explanation for it. Man, <laughs> you are just driving people away uh, from your $44 billion investment, and that that's just bad business to me. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast or follow an Apple podcast. That's the best thing you can do for this podcast. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. Don't forget episode two of The Bachelorette tonight. And I'll be back again tomorrow with yet another episode. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you!